And welcome back inside the home office. I'm Craig D'Amico, and this is NEC Football on the Run. The calendar is switched over to November, and that means it is go time. We will crown the 2023 NEC Football Champion at some point over these next three weeks. And then we'll get to send that champion out to represent the NEC in the FCS playoffs coming up on Thanksgiving weekend. This past weekend went a long way to completing that puzzle and finding out who that team will be. There were lots of comebacks, lots of shakeups, lots of excitement. So let's get right to it. All eight teams in action, four head-to-head conference matchups. We start with this week's top headlines. It's time for the pick six. And we start under the lights. Last Thursday night, our CBS Sports Network primetime showcase game featuring the Central Connecticut State Blue Devils hosting the LIU Sharks at a root field in New Britain. Central Connecticut got on the board first, just a minute and a half into the ballgame. They wasted no time. If you were still out in the parking lot tailgating, you probably missed it. A 22-yard touchdown pass from Matt Jenner to Davian Johnson. LIU, though, they'd go right down and answer right back, going no huddle, quick tempo. They'd score on a 16-yard touchdown run by Devon Wells. Now, Wells, a versatile playmaker. He's listed as a wide receiver. We saw him have some big games last year in the passing game, put up some big numbers. But he's been a problem for defenses all year in the ground game. He had a 100-yard rushing game earlier this year, and he finished this game with 10 carries for 107 yards and a 16-yard touchdown run. Got to love this versatility of the LIU Sharks defense. They have tight ends throwing touchdown passes. They have wide receivers running the football. They're they're trying to make playmakers from anywhere. Has to keep you on your toes if you're the defense or if you're a defensive coordinator of the opposing team. So then continuing with this game, Michael Coney uh, added a 25-yard field goal for the Sharks right at the end of the first quarter. So despite the central lead right out of the shoot on their first possession minutes into the game, the Sharks were the ones who had a 10-7 to advantage through one. Then the the second quarter, all Blue Devils, 16 unanswered points. Isaiah Williams, 81-yard touchdown pass from Jenner. And Ahmad Craig, 13-yard fumble return touchdown. And Jack Barnum tacked on a 52-yard field goal. I mean, lost in all this is uh, we had a 52-yard field goal. Incredible special teams. Central Connecticut State led 23-10 to at the break. Now, should mention on the the touchdown, extra point was missed, though. So despite the 52-yard field goal, extra point was missed. Should have been 24-10, to something to file away for for later on. But uh, again, commanding lead for Central Connecticut State at the break. But something happened at halftime. Not quite sure what it was. We'll have to investigate later on in the show. LIU tight end Owen Glasgow will stop by as our special guest. So we'll have to ask him about what went on in the locker room, but some sort of switch flipped and the game totally turned around. LIU came out, captured a pair of third quarter scores, a Chris Howell, 12 yard touchdown pass to Pat Bowen. And then they run the Owen Glasgow touchdown pass play again, 15 yards pressure was coming in off his back foot. He launched it to the end zone. Bryant leak was there to bring the sharks back from the dead and up on the scoreboard. 24 to 13. Now Central, this was in the third quarter, mind you. So Central would still have three fourth quarter drives just down one point. First, they would get set back behind the chains with a false start penalty. So they'd have to punt on a fourth and long. Then on the second drive, they'd drive to the LIU 35 yard line, which would be a 52 yard field goal. Their kicker just hit 
a 52-yard field goal earlier on in the game, so it was within the realm of possibility. But when they got to the 35, Eric O'Neill and then Dylan Fuller, they combined for a third down sack. So now it's fourth and 13, which now takes you out of the field goal picture. And then on fourth down, they'd go for it and come up empty. So finally, they get one last drive. Ball at their own 16-yard line, a minute 49 seconds left, but they'd go four and out. They turn it over on down. So three chances in the fourth quarter. They come up empty with no points. Central Connecticut State held to no points and just 78 yards in the second half as LIU wins on a short week on the road, 24 to 23. Chris Howell was 12 for 21, 143 yards and a touchdown pass at quarterback. He also ran for 26 yards. Owen Glasgow threw a touchdown pass as well. Devon Wells, we mentioned 100 yards plus in the ground game plus a touchdown run. Eric O'Neill, big game on defense, had a sack and 11 tackles. And on the other side for Central Connecticut, Elijah Howard ran for 128 yards and 17 carries, his third 100-yard rushing game this year as he tries to contend and, and stay in the running for a rushing title here in 2023, uh, battling uh, the Merrimack running back, uh, for, for that honor. So uh big win for LIU. They defeat central for a third straight year. LI uh, last year when central, when uh, LIU beat central, it was part of LIU's four game win streak at the end of the season that they used to carry momentum into this year. So can they do it again? Was this win sparking another late season end of the year run for the sharks? We'll see if they can make a similar end of the season run. They're now two and two in league play. Now moving on to story number two, up in Loretto, the reigning and defending NEC champion, the St. Francis Red Flash, were welcoming in the red-hot Merrimack Warriors, who were winners of their last three in a row. The Warriors, they're going into this week, they were in control of their own fate, in sole possession of second place, just one game behind unbeaten Duquesne at the start of the weekend, with a head-to-head -head game against Duquesne still to come. So the scenario was simple. If Merrimack wins out, won all the rest of their games, including that win against Duquesne, they would be the NEC champions and they would go to the FCS playoffs in their first year eligible. But their first test in that gauntlet was last Saturday against the reigning champions. St. Francis had never lost to Merrimack. They just beat the Warriors 52-23 to in the NEC championship game regular season finale a year ago. But on this Saturday afternoon, the Red Flash, they would have quite the challenge having to take on the Warriors who uh, the Red Flash were without the reigning NEC Offensive Player of the Year, their quarterback, Cole Doyle. So redshirt freshman Nick Whitfield Jr., he'd have to step in and make his first career start. Whitfield's first career touchdown pass would come at the start of the second quarter, 15 yards to Mason Imp, but the Warriors would answer with a couple of quick hitters, a couple of quick strikes. Malachi Anthony, 58 yards, a touchdown to Seth Schweitzer. And then Ty Edmonds Jr. ran it in from eight yards out to give Merrimack a 14-6 lead at the half. They then increased it to 21-6 on a Ty Yoakum one-yard touchdown run. It was all Warriors. But hey, remember last week, St. Francis was down 38-14 to Duquesne. And then they came back as people were turning off their televisions, heading out to the parking lot. They came all the way back in the fourth quarter and got within three. And then had a chance to tie the game with a field goal right at the end. Well... St. Francis remembered that, and this time they were only down 15, so no sweat. You can make a case they had Merrimack right where they want them. Ten seconds into the fourth quarter, DeAndre Scott ran it in from 29 yards out, so all of a sudden St. Francis on the board. They get within 21-13. 
you know, you'll go look back at this play. Scott got hit. Everyone kind of stopped and thought that he was down, but then he got right back up. He was never down and just sprinted the rest of the way to the end zone. So big touchdown run to start the fourth quarter for SFU. Then after a Merrimack three and out, SFU got fancy. Fourth and goal from the two. Now, I, I heard some people throw around terms like Philly special. This wasn't the Philly special. Maybe a distant cousin, distant relative of the Philly special. Um, still a well-run play. I mean, there's only one Philly special, but uh, this 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 was a well-run play, perfectly executed. Whitfield handed it off to running back Jordan Jackson, who was running to the left, tossed it to the backup quarterback Adrian Mejia, who was lined up in the slot as a wide receiver and was motioning his way back across. So he took the toss from Jackson, going on the reverse, and while that was going on and had all the 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 attention of the defense. Whitfield, who was the quarterback, slipped past everyone uh, and was wide open in the end zone to the right for Mejia to throw him the pass. So now Whitfield's out there catching touchdowns too. And that got the red flash right back in it. They converted a two-point conversion. Well, at first their try failed, but then a passing interference gave it a second chance. And Scott ran it in uh, from about a yard and a half out to tie the game at 21. Plenty of time, 9.46 to play. Then after another Merrimack three and out, St. Francis would take over at their own 26. And on third and seven from the 29, Whitfield completed a pass deep to Jaden Ivory for a 71-yard touchdown to put the red flash on top 28-21. You, you'll go back and look at this play. And one thing that stood out to me, the eyes of Whitfield looking like a veteran. He looked left, drew the defense to the left, then quickly shifted his vision to the right and he let it fly one-on-one -on -one coverage down the right sideline, and it was batted up. Wide receiver, defender, both went for it. The defender fell down, and then it was all Ivory there standing all alone to catch the ricochet and then go untouched the final 30 yards to the end zone. Big, big play for the Red Flash showing that they still have that big strike capability. But we know the Warriors have big strike, big play capability, and the game wasn't over yet. Merrimack would get the ball. They drive all the way to the St. Francis four. Fourth and goal from the four. 51 seconds left. Last chance for the Warriors. Malachi Anthony's pass broken up, and the comeback was complete. St. Francis, another big fourth quarter rally, knocks off the Warriors 28-21, hands Merrimack their second conference loss of the season. It was a 15 point comeback. St. Francis largest comeback since coming back from 17 points down in September of 2012 for the red flash. It was their second straight game scoring 22 points in the fourth quarter. Whitfield. You'd never know was his first career start. We talked about the vision of a veteran on that one big pass play. He was 10 for 18, 164 yards, two touchdowns passing had a touchdown receiving and before that last Merrimack drive that got all the way to the four-yard line in the final minute, up until that point, St. Francis had outgained Merrimack 169 to 78 yards in the second half. But then when Merrimack finally did get the offense going right there on that last drive, it was the red flash defense that made the big stop when it counted. They held Merrimack to their lowest yardage total since the Sacred Heart game. And it very much derails Merrimack's title hopes and certainly shakes up the NEC standings. And for story number three, Whitfield, a great story in his first career start, filling the shoes, the big shoes of the reigning offensive player of the year, 
Cole Doyle. He took home not just a win, but also a host of accolades just rolling in this week. He was the NEC Player of the Week on offense, the Rookie of the Week, but he was also named the FedEx Ground FCS National Freshman Player of the Week by Stats Perform. That's a big title to fit on a plaque or a certificate or whatever. That's that is a big. I mean, and I know you have to get the sponsors in there, but that that was a big total for a big uh, <laughs> a big title for the award that he won this week, but. Just goes to show another NEC football player shining at the national level, gaining some national accolades. Now, let's check in on the unbeaten Duquesne Dukes. They were in action on NEC TV, ESPN Plus, against the Sacred Art Pioneers, two teams that have combined to represent the league in the FCS playoffs six out of the last 10 years. Would Duquesne's perfect NEC record be in jeopardy on a weekend where there was all this crazy stuff happening? Well, no, not 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 really. The the Dukes they were in control from the start, and they were on their way to a twenty-seven to nothing shutout win. Just two minutes into the game, Darius Parentis found Daryl Porter Powell Jr. for a four-yard touchdown. Then later in the game, he dialed it up uh, to Powell again, a fifty-nine-yard touchdown strike. Uh, freshman running back Edward Robinson he ran it sixteen times for one hundred sixty yards and a touchdown. Duquesne outgained Sacred Heart four hundred thirty-six to one hundred seventy-nine. 229 of the 436 were rushing yards. It was the third 200-yard team rushing game this year. Parentis continues to up his total, leads the league now 16 touchdown passes on the year, and he's thrown for multiple touchdowns in every single conference game. Duquesne is 4-0 in the NEC this year, which equals their total from the spring 2021 season. They've never been 5-0 before. They'll play for that this week against Wagner and Coincidentally, Saturday was Duquesne's first shutout win since last year in the finale against Wagner, 33 to nothing. And finally, we go to Hamline Field in Staten Island talking about Wagner. They were taking on Stonehill. It was the Seahawks and the Skyhawks. How about another double-digit comeback with all the craziness from this past week? Stonehill led 14-0 early following a pair of Asher Karaha touchdown passes. The Seahawks had Stonehill right where they want him. Steven Krajewski found Jalen Benelli for a nine-yard touchdown to make it 14-7. Then the turning point of the entire game, Zachary Ricci, a 49-yard pick six to tie the game at 14. It was a screen pass on the far side, and Ricci read the play beautifully. He stepped in front of the passing lane and then took off for the score. And then with 17 seconds left in the half, Krajewski completed a 12-yard touchdown to Benelli, his second of the day. For the lead, Wagner would go on to win it in comeback fashion, 28-17. to 17. Wagner, they go their second straight game without allowing a point in the second half. Krajewski threw for three touchdowns, two of them to Benelli in the defense, recorded three interceptions. We mentioned the pick six. Junior Wiley, former guest of ours, also had a pick six, and Wagner hasn't lost when Wiley records an interception. Wagner has a big test on their plate next week when they take on the first place Duquesne Dukes. So let's take a look at the NEC standings. Duquesne's still at the top, the lone remaining unbeaten at 4-0. Merrimack, St. Francis, Wagner, and LIU all have two conference losses. Merrimack, SFU, and Wagner, 3-2, LIU, 2-2. So the simplest path to a championship is that Duquesne wins their next two games on the schedule against Wagner and Stonehill, and they clinch the championship with still one week to go. If they should trip up against Wagner or Stonehill, 
then that makes things a lot interesting because they will play Merrimack coming up in the finale. Uh, so, and we know Merrimack, Wagner, those are two teams that are right there in the mix with two losses. The rest of the NEC standings have Stonehill at two and three, Central at one and three, and Sacred Heart at one and five. Time now for our top three stars of the week. And first, again, we try not to do, you know, four stars or ties or anything like that. But we do want to give a shout out to our first star that just missed the cut. And that was Wagner quarterback Steven Krajewski. We mentioned it. He went from three interceptions last week against Central to a season I three touchdowns this week against Stonehill. The grad senior is now up to nine touchdown passes on the season. But we start with our number three star and we start on defense. Merrimack Jr. defensive end, Chibuka Atawaka. And apologize, apologies in advance. I'm sure that was, ho hopefully that was in the ballpark. But uh, Atawaka prior to Saturday's game against SFU, he only had one and a half sacks in his two plus year career with Merrimack. On Saturday, he had three sacks in just one afternoon, a three sack game against the reigning champions. It marked the first three sack game in the NEC this year and the first since A.J. Garson from Duquesne had three against Wagner in November of 2021. Now back to the offensive side of the football. Our second star is Duquesne freshman running back Edward Robinson. The Ohio native ran for his first career 100-yard game on Saturday at Sacred Heart. 16 carries, 120 yards, and a touchdown. Season highs in both carries and yards. His totals include a 33-yard touchdown run in the third quarter that capped off the scoring in a 27-0 shutout win. But Edward wasn't the top star or even the top freshman. Our number one star of the week is St. Francis freshman quarterback Nick, Nick Whitfield Jr. I mean, he won almost every other national accolade, league accolade, so why not have him be the number one star of the week on top of it all here on NEC Football on the run? He was stepping into the shoes of the reigning offensive player of the year, Cole Doyle, who was out due to injury, making his first career start against Merrimack, a team that had won three in a row leading the Flash to a big comeback win against the second-place Warriors. Whitfield was 10 for 18, 164 yards, two touchdowns, no turnovers. He caught a touchdown pass, and in the fourth quarter, he only needed one pass. So, yes, St. Francis had that big fourth-quarter comeback, 22 points from down 15, all that. But he only needed one pass in the entire fourth quarter, and it just so happened to be the 71-yard touchdown to Ivory that gave St. Francis the lead for good. Whitfield was pretty good. He's our number one star of the week.
as well. So before this year, though, when was the last time you actually got to throw a pass in a game?
NEC Football On The Run show over on the NEC Overtime Pod, available wherever you get your podcasts. So as we talked about, Owen Glasgow knows a thing or two about throwing the football, even going back to his high school days. For today's stat chat, we're going to take a look at some 300-yard passers in the Northeast Conference. And we know this year on the NEC, there's been a lot of talk about running backs having some big days. A lot of talk this year about defenders with tackles and sacks and turnovers. Hasn't been a lot of talk about 300-yard passers, and there's a good reason for that. It's because there's only been one 300-yard passer this entire season, and that was Steven Krajewski of Wagner, who threw over 300 yards back in week one against Fordham, September the 2nd. Since then, nothing, and that's kind of a change of pace because, yes, running the football, playing defense, that's staples of Northeast Conference championship football, but even in the midst of all that, we've still had some big passing days by quarterbacks. You go back to last year, there were six 300-yard passing games in 2022. Then you go back to the year before, 2021, there was nine 300-yard passing games. Even in the shortened spring 2021 season, there were two 300-yard passing days. So there was more 300-yard games in the shortened spring 2021 season than in the current full season we're in right now. And then you go back before the pandemic to 2019, there were eight 300-yard passing games that season too. So an unusually down year in 300-yard passing performances, Steven Krajewski has the only one, but there's still time. There's still three more weeks of football to go. And that brings us to this week. There are seven teams in action coming up this week, two head-to-head conference battles, one non-conference clash, and one team in Stonehill that's off completely. So let's check out the Week 10 schedule. Here's what's coming up on tap. We start Saturday at noon, the Connecticut State Collision, Central Connecticut State taking on Sacred Heart. The Pioneers, they've lost five in a row. You go back to last year, they've lost 12 out of their last 14. Not great. This is their first five-game skid since the final five games of the 2012 season when they finished 2-9 and nine and then 1-7 in conference play. Good news, though, for the Pioneers. They came back the following season in 2013, and they ended up winning the NEC auto bid and representing the league in the FCS playoffs against Fordham. So, again, rough season this year, but they're hoping for a quick switch uh, once again under Coach Nofri like they did about a decade ago. Sacred Heart has won the last two meetings and three of the last four against their interstate rivals from New Britain, uh, who, again, is still reeling after uh, dropping that Thursday night game at home to LIU LIU with that big second half comeback. We look at another noon game on Saturday. It's Duquesne taking on Wagner. The Dukes are averaging a league best 28.8 points per, points per game and 380 yards per game. They're the number one offense team in terms of yards. Wagner, they're last. They only average 274 yards per game. So they don't want this to be a track meet by any means. Wagner wants this to be a defense grinded out type football game. Darius Parentis leads the league with 16 touchdown passes. Wagner, three conference wins this year, the most since 2018. They're looking to win a fourth league game for the first time since 2016. But it's been a minute since they beat the Dukes. Wagner hasn't beaten Duquesne since 2014. Duquesne has won the last eight meetings. And how about this? The last three of those meetings have all been by shutout. Three straight shutout wins for Duquesne against Wagner. Duquesne hasn't given up a point to the Seahawks since October of 2019. 
Duquesne is looking to improve to 5-0 and against the NEC for the first time in program history. And this game not only has championship implications, but also NEC TV wildcard game implications. If Duquesne wins, they play for the NEC championship next week against Stonehill, who's on a bye. Duquesne looking for their sixth NEC title, first since 2018 when they shared the honor with Sacred Heart. Also at noon on Saturday, LIU in Loretto to take on the Red Flash. And perhaps if I could just make a suggestion, whoever the scoreboard operator is at the golf field, when the game starts, maybe you want to put up fourth quarter. Just have it up there on the scoreboard that we're starting the game with the fourth quarter because the fourth quarter is when SFU has been absolutely phenomenal these last two weeks. They've outscored opponents 44-7 to in the fourth quarter in the last two games against them. Pretty good competition. Duquesne and Merrimack, who both entered the week as the top two teams in the league. So, you know, the fourth quarter comebacks, putting up great numbers against two of the best teams in the entire conference. St. Francis, they've never lost to LIU. They're 3-0. and They won 30 to nothing in 2019, 55 to 10 in 2021. And last year, 57 to seven, as we talked with Owen Glasgow about earlier, St. Francis rushed for six touchdowns on the ground in last year's ball game. Then we have one non-conference game to look ahead to, and that's 3.30 p.m. on Saturday. The Merrimack Warriors taking on their interstate rival, UMass, coming off their heartbreaking loss uh, last week. Merrimack, they jump out of conference to take on UMass. They're, this is one of eight remaining FCS at FBS matchups in the entire country on the 2023 uh, college football schedule. Well, that'll just about do it for this week, folks. We hope you enjoy the games. We're getting towards championship season. We're getting closer to crowning that champion. The playoff picture is starting to come into focus. Can't wait to see how it all plays out these last three weeks. Until next time, I'm Craig D'Amico, and this has been NEC Football on the Run.